You know, we also still have um, the animals as the seven deadly sins. Did we never release that? We never released I was wondering. it. No, we never released it, and we we should. I just don't know quite. Don't know quite how to use it. Fuck it, we liked it. But uh, it's it's good. <laughs> it's good. I'm all I'm all for educating people, but we, we also make this, and it is our show. Yeah, <laughs> so, should I turn this yeah, on? Yeah, let's cut that. Cut. Okay. Hello and welcome to the end of season Things We Recorded That Didn't Fit Anywhere Else episode of How Many Geese. I'm Jack Baddams. And I'm Roddy Shaw. And if you're looking for a nature podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously, then we are The Natural Selection. On today's show. Just literally chilling in a hole under the ground until you hear some rain and then just go up for basically like Glastonbury. (laughs) (laughs) We're naming animals because of things they don't have. Peacocks. What the fuck is going on there? Why are they going so hard? (laughs) Right, so I've hit record. If this ever gets used or edited, I don't know. But we've just recorded the slow Loris fight. Yeah. In which my mind went many places, but one of which was the seven deadly sins. Mm -hmm. Because there is an animal called sloth. Mm -hmm. The wolverine is glutton. Yeah. So can you pull up what the seven deadly sins are? And we can just prescribe an animal to each one. To each one. Let me have a look. But there's sloth, pride, envy, wrath, gluttony, and I don't know what the other two are. Uh, Scary and sporty. <laughs> so your seven deadly sins are gluttony. Yep. Sloth. Yep. Wrath. Yep. Greed. Greed. Envy. Yep. Pride, and lust. Lust. Right. Gluttony and sloth, we know, are wolverine and sloth. Uh, we should say, just in case it doesn't all match up, uh, that another name for wolverine is glutton, and the Latin name, gulo gulo, is derived from gluttony. Right, yes. So that's that's why that's happening, because that's uh, behind the scenes glutton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As in, the name isn't glutton, but de facto yeah. glutton. Uh, and it's called that because it eats a lot. So that's why it's got that name. Yeah, so it adds up with the same. <laughs> yeah. Right. Envy. No, not envy. Sorry, I want to start with an easier one. Greed. Greed. Greed sounds pretty... I mean, like... Greed and glutton, though. What's the difference? How are we going to define the difference in the animal kingdom? Because it's easy to think, okay, well, the wolverine is the glutton because it eats a lot in one go, but that's, you know, greed. Right. What matches up there? Hear me out. Okay. Bowerbirds. Because they collect things, Mm. right? And you'll get species as well, you know, but, you know, which will just do like one color. And now that, you know, in in that would have been like blueberries as they evolved, but now they go and get like blue bottle tops and other bits of plastic and things like that, right? So they actively seek out stuff for the purpose of stuff. Coveting items, aren't they? Yeah. Magpies, famously. I don't actually know how kind of true that is, but they'd sparkly. No, they do. Yeah, yeah, they do like sparkly things. Yeah, they do like sparkly things, shiny things. But I don't, I think Bowerbird is a good one because they're almost like the capitalist consumer mentality, aren't they? <laughs> Where they're just as many things as they can get that fit with their aesthetic they're going for. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Bowerbird's a good one. Okay. Envy. Envy. That's hard. So. We're talking about an animal that looks at another animal. Yep. And he's like, I want to be that. Okay. Where mine mind's gone yep. is Tenrex in Madagascar. Okay, this is... And 
So Fantastic. Ten- <laughs> I, I know where this is going, but yeah, take us through it. So Tenrex in Madagascar are a group of mammals, uh, a group of small mammals that have diversified into all sorts of little different body shapes. There's all sorts of body plans as they fit into different niches. And one of them, or there might be a couple of species that, that have done this, are called the hedgehog Tenrex. And they look so like hedgehogs, they've convergently evolved to look like hedgehogs, to have the spines, to do the whole rolling up behavior. So much so that if you were to see one, you would just think it was a hedgehog. But they're not remotely related at all. They've just come to the same answer to the question of life, yeah. essentially. Which is all evolution is. It's like yeah. the question, yeah, how do you be? Yeah. And if you answer it the same way, <laughs> you, then... You often look the same. You look the same, right? And it's a sim- similar thing with uh, you've got vultures in the New World, so the Americas, and the Old World in Europe, Asia, um, and Africa. Vultures are not, re- they're not related at all. So the vultures in the Old World and the New World are completely separate families of birds that have just convergently evolved to have bald heads, big wings to soar around, really good sense of smell so that they can find carrion. Um, they've just come to the same answer of the question of life. That convergently evolved. is fantastic. Huge fan of... I've seen a hedgehog tenrec in Madagascar. Have you? Yeah. I, I Well, we spent... Yeah, we met. It's always like oh, Madagascar. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> There's no other place which makes you sound as wanky. <laughs> like that's my point is saying you've been to Madagascar. Yeah, right? that's true. But um yes, we were working there and yeah, one of the nights I saw and it was it was like the same size as a hedgehog. It was exactly it rolled up into the ball. Yeah. The prickles were just as it was yeah, mental. I'd love to have seen one and I spent 2 months there, didn't see one came back, started working at my job at a museum in Nottinghamshire, and they hired in uh, like an exotic animal group that had raccoons and meerkats for people to come and look at, and they opened a box, and there was a hedgehog tenric. No. I'd I'd spent two months in Madagascar, (laughs) not seen one, like two weeks of being back in the UK in Nottinghamshire, there's a hedgehog tenric in a box in the field. Had they ordered a hedgehog and got <laughs> delivered, like, because how would they? It's not something I would think one of those, like, yeah. it's like the kids' parties where it's like everyone holds a snake kind of thing, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I love that. Mm-hmm. I love the logic. I love all the thinking. I want to give an honourable mention, as you started that, saying an animal that looks like another animal, to just put out what I thought you were going to say was mimic octopus. Ooh, okay. Talk l- us through the mimic octopus. So the mimic octopus is in, I believe, Southeast Asia. Um, I'm pretty sure they're in and around Indonesia and stuff. And they, so octopuses in general, well, all cephalopods, I think, because um, not cuttlefish, cuttlefish mm. do it as well. They can change not just the color of their skin, they can also change the texture of their skin. They're, I mean, octopuses are alien, boneless, you know, gods of the sea. <laughs> um, and they can make themselves look like a rock. They can make themselves... It's uncanny and insane. And if you stick into YouTube, I don't know, like octopuses looking like... Or octopus camouflage or something, you will get insane videos, I yeah. guarantee. But the mimic octopus is basically the the MVP of this. <laughs> but they have sort of defined, I guess... I'm trying to think how to describe this. So... They like modes. Modes, exactly. Going, yeah, they're like a transformer. They've got yeah. set forms, right? So the mimic octopus will mimic... Uh, the one that has come to mind is like um, 
flatfish on the seabed mm. where they will drag all their tentacles behind them and map out the same colour pattern and everything to look like the flatfish that are in that area. So cool. They've got one which is like a weird jellyfish form, I think, where they sort of suspend themselves in the water and do something with their... They're just... Yes, yeah, so yeah. there are set animals that they will purposely... That's cool. Mimic. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but would it be that they're the animal of envy or would it be that other octopuses, octopi, look at those and go, I'm envious of the mimic octopus? Because it's we're trying to do the camouflage thing, but the mimic octopus, like you said, it's the MVP. But it's the god tier. <laughs> yeah. But but all octopuses are good at camouflage. Mm. This one just instead of going down the like I'm gonna look like a rock route has gone down, I'm gonna copy that other living yeah. thing. Okay. Right? So I think the mimic octopus gets mm-hmm. I love the hedgehog tenrec, and I think in terms of time put into the game <laughs> In that it's taken it millions of years to look like something it doesn't even know exists, yeah. right? It's just so profound. That's med- I've never thought about it like that. That's yeah. mad, isn't it? But, yeah. uh, hedgehog Tenrex have no idea that hedgehogs exist, like, yet they look exactly the same. Yeah. Well, then maybe Hedgehog Tenrex are the honourable mention because they don't know yeah. hedgehogs. Yes. Yet, but the Mimic Octopus does know the and other fish exist. Them. And it's actively copying them. Agreed. Right. So we've got Glutton, we've got Sloth, we've got Envy, we've got... Uh, greed. Next one is pride. I mean, of lions. It's, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's straight up. Yep. Yeah. Tick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, honorable mention, I'm going to chuck out there to some kind of showy, but a peacock. Yeah. That's, they've taken the piss. Yeah. Um, it's quite vain, quite vain, isn't it, peacock? I actually have a note in my phone on my big how many geese note list yeah. that Jack and I both keep separate from each other. But one of my notes is just, what's up with peacocks? <laughs> <laughs> the note is, how many geese ideas is the file name, <laughs> is peacocks. What the fuck is going on there? Why are they going so hard? <laughs> I can't wait till we get to that section. Yeah. <laughs> I think I saw a video of a peacock and I was so enraged <laughs> at just the audacity <laughs> that I was like, I need to go through this with Jack. Okay. Um, pride of Lions. We've got two left. Wrath and Lust. Wrath and Lust. Okay, so... What do you want to start with? I mean, Lust has got to be... What's the horniest animal? Uh, famously, rabbits. Us for secretary birds. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I think it's unfair to say bonobos. Yep. Because I don't think that's a lusty thing. I think they... It's all... It's a free love thing. Yeah. They're all sort of, you know, they're all on board with that. Bonobos are the apes that are very similar to chimps, and they just have sex all the time. Surely ducks. Ducks. Hi there. If you've listened to the episode from two episodes ago called The People vs. Sea Otters, you may have already heard a lot of what's about to come. We recorded these bits completely separately from each other, months apart, and didn't actually realise we'd repeated quite a few of the same facts. What's about to come is a chat about ducks and how they have sex, and it's pretty weird and freaky. If you've already heard it in The People vs. Sea Otters, feel free to skip ahead a couple minutes, but if you haven't heard it, then strap in and get ready. Back to the show. Take us through it. Yeah, so, so ducks... Ducks have got one of the best PR teams of any, of any animal because everybody loves them, but they are, quite frankly, horrible creatures. <laughs> like, the male ducks are the perfect example of to- toxic masculinity writ large in the avian form. How um, many geese pulling the curtain back <laughs> on ducks? Essentially, essentially, pretty much all matings that take place 
uh, most matings that you will see, if you're out on a duck pond and you see a female duck with a male duck on top of her, she's often being held like in the water, sometimes under the water by the male who can, it's not infrequent that the female will drown. Um, And sometimes there's a pile on with multiple males. Um, So it's very often against the female's will. And the male try so birds I don't know how to deep to go into this birds don't have penises <laughs> so uh, well most birds don't have penises except water birds often do because they're mating in the water and what most birds do is they have something called a cloaca which is like one opening that everything comes out of eggs feces sperm or whatever and if you're not mating in the water all you can do is touch those two openings together, pass the sperm from one bird into the other. Whereas if you're in the water, that's more difficult. So ducks have a penis. And it's this most god-awful thing (laughs) you've ever seen because it's this horrible corkscrewed thing uh, that twists around. um, But the reason for that is so that they can lock it in place, so to speak, um, in the water and they can safely transfer the sperm from the male to the female. But... What's extraordinary is as a defense mechanism from the males, the females, cloaca, the hole that the penis is going to go into, corkscrews the opposite way so that it can defend itself from unwanted matings, essentially being raped by other male ducks. So they can also store the sperm if it's been put into them and eject it if they don't want it. So there's all sorts of horrible male duck activities that go on when it comes to the breeding season and i think therefore they are an excellent suggestion for the deadly sin of lust okay great i mean i was worried about you know what was going on with peacocks (laughs) 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 clearly ducks like you said have had fantastic pr yeah they have everyone loves them everyone goes to feed them bread um but yeah they are ruthless when it comes to sex jesus um, and that leaves us with RAS. <laughs> <laughs> that was genuine. <laughs> that leaves us with wrath. Wrath. I mean, I do like RAS. We are sticking RAS in there just by virtue of it sounds similar. Yeah. <laughs> That's the level of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. No deep thing. It just sounds a bit similar. But, um, um, I but would like to nominate the most terrifying animal on the planet. Obviously, Chim- the chimpanzee. The chimpanzee. Yep. Um, because they are, when they get mad, they get real mad. They get, they get so mad. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll rip your face off. Yeah. Um, That's a huge shout. It's tricky for animals because wrath is like, there's not many animals that are like evil, but it tends to be the more clever ones. So I think like things like dolphins can be, I think they can be pretty mean. They, they'll murder porpoises for no other reason than a bit of fun. But I'm chimpanzee is where I'm at at the minute. Chimpanzees are brutal. Yeah. And like there's that, you know, Attenborough clip where he was the first one to film them hunting and they're chasing yeah. a little monkey through the trees and then they literally rip it r- limb from limb and hand it around. I yeah. mean, they are... And brains is their favourite food. So they like the first thing they do is crack open its skull and eat the brain of this poor little monkey. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the real, you know, is humans. Yeah. <laughs> like, for all of these. For all of these, <laughs> like, we're really top of the tree. Um... Wrath as chimpanzees. Is there anything... Army ants? Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Like, they literally just rove through... We've spoken about them already on the show, but they will literally march through forests, killing everything in their path. That's a good shout, yeah. 
They're a good wrath animal. Yeah. So what about more uh, things like locusts? They don't really have the same. No, that's glutton. That is, yeah. That's, that's glutton. Locusts yeah. locust are definitely honourable mention for glutton. glutton. Yeah, okay. Have we had any fish with these? No. So they, by definition, then are all going to heaven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so to the big sea in the sky. So with the seven deadly sins, we've got glutton is a mammal. Sloth is a mammal. Wrath is a mammal. Envy was a invertebrate. Yeah. I don't quite know what. Yeah, invertebrate. Yeah. Um, Pride was a mammal. Pride was a mammal. Lust was a bird. Yeah. And um, greed was a bird. So mammals are the most sinful. <laughs> Fish are the least sinful. Yeah. No, no amphibians or reptiles on here either. Which is, you know, given that it was a snake who sent everything, yeah. sent everyone packing back in the Garden of Eden, is pretty yeah. impressive that none of them have made the sinful list. <laughs> <laughs> and could you imagine an animal less likely to make a sinful list than a frog? <laughs> yeah. are there hang on if there's seven deadly sins aren't there the virtues there are ah here we go there are seven virtues which i didn't know about actually until re reading this um so the seven virtues are chastity so that's th they're all basically opposites right so yeah. chastity is going to be the opposite of lust yeah yeah temperance the opposite of wrath gluttony Oh, the opposite of gluttony. Yeah, so temperance is defined as moderation or voluntary self-restraint. I've got temperance down when we come to it. Okay. Yeah. Let me just work through the rest of them. So we've got um, charity as the opposite of greed. So charity, generosity, yep. that sort of stuff. The opposite of sloth is diligence. The oh. opposite of wrath is patience. Oh. The opposite of envy is gratitude or kindness. And the opposite of pride is humility. Okay. I can tell you right now. There's no bird I think I'm going to put in humility because <laughs> <laughs> they are all showy bastards. <laughs> so we'll come back to that. Yeah. And you may well surprise me, I'm yeah. sure. But thinking about it, especially with my opinions, my recent opinions on peacocks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Temperance. Right. As the opposite of gluttony. Yeah. So it's and, defined and, as moderation or self-restraint. And what was the other... Because there was a similar one going on where it was like waiting. There was... Uh, temperance and patience. Patience they... is the opposite of wrath. Patience is the opposite of wrath. And okay, I'm going to pitch an animal. Okay. And I want let's workshop which one it goes into. Right. But talking, coming straight off the bat of saying how uh, you know no amphibians are making the sinful list. I'm coming in to represent them. Okay. <laughs> okay. Rain frogs. You know those things that like live in the deserts. These are amphibians which. 100% need water to survive, live, breathe, mate, everything, without which they cannot function and have decided to live in deserts, okay? <laughs> and they do this by essentially burrowing themselves. There's, there's multiple different types of rain frog all over the world, well, all over the different deserts. Um, and they burrow deep below and just chill out for, like, all of the year. Yeah. except maybe the two days where it rains, <laughs> at which point they burst up to the surface and in the newfound puddles, like, have sex, lay eggs, eat all their... Like, they eat all of their food for the year, have their sex, <laughs> lay their eggs. The tadpoles have, like, the quickest thing yeah, ever. They must do. And then they're all back under the ground. What an existence. Yeah, just literally chilling in a hole under the ground until you hear some rain and then just go up for basically, like, Glastonbury. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like everyone getting the puddles. So, I like that. That's great. 
Um, do we think that's temperance or is that patience? So I was going to put it in patience. Okay. But then as we were talking about, an an- about animals that live underground and then come up and do all their thing, I was reminded of the cicadas. Yep. That wait 17 years. That's true. Or whatever it is. That's true. Under the ground. Yep. For their moment to pop up and breed and yes. all that sort of stuff. So I don't know whether the cicadas go in patience and then temperance as voluntary self-restraint. Does that fit the rain frog? Yeah, because they're volunteering to live in a desert, like as a frog (laughs) by all. It's like find a pond. (laughs) Isn't it like, didn't Jesus go into the desert and get tempted by biblical Yeah, he went into the desert for 40 days or whatever, didn't he? Yeah, that's the rain frog. Right, but what I'm saying is Jesus made it 40 days in the desert. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking noob. (laughs) Whereas the frogs, the frogs are crushing Jesus at who shouldn't be in a desert that is making it happen. Jesus, a white man inexplicably in the Middle East, (laughs) or a frog that needs water to survive. So Both not adapted to live in a desert. Yeah, I hope Jesus had factor 50. Um, So I think frogs for temperance. Okay. And shikadas for patience okay. because shikadas are doing 17 years, so yeah. hands down, making it work. Okay, so then let's have a look at what else we've got for the virtues. We have diligence as the opposite of sloth. So that's proactive, up and go, a diligent worker, a bumblebee. Oh, yeah. A bee. Yeah. A bee. Bees, bees are diligent. They're I like hard that. workers. Yeah, busy as a bee. We've got gratitude or kindness as the opposite of envy. Is there any animal when it comes to like kindness? There are there any other animals that like they they work together in you know they help? I'm thinking obviously birds. There's a bird called long-tailed tit, and they all nest. They have their own nests. They build their own nests in spring, but they'll often nest alongside siblings or their parents. And if their nest gets predated, because about eighty to ninety percent of all long-tailed tit nests will get eaten, um, they will then go next door and help to raise the chicks of their relation. Um, so it's like. Bit of kinship, that yeah. Sort of stuff. I was thinking it has to be something which shares, and it's going to be in. Yeah, let's do long tail tits. Okay, let's do long tail tits, looking after each other. That's nice. Okay, uh, we've got humility as the opposite of pride. I mean, I don't know, slug. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pretty humble. Earthworm. Earth. All life on Earth would not exist were it not for worms. Yeah, and they are just down there chilling yeah. and doing their thing. Although, you say that, something I learned recently, in North America, mm. or certainly large parts of North America, there aren't earthworms. Get the f- what? Because basically European earthworms are now an invasive animal into North America. What are worms? What? So, earthworms are shifting their ranges northwards into forests between 45 degrees and 69 degrees latitude in North America that have lacked native earthworms since the last ice age. How? how? I thought, like, literally soil doesn't work without worms. Yeah, so this, when I learned this, it blew my mind. Um, but it says here, the worms in question are primary engineers in their environment and are considered a keystone species, but these ecosystems that they are now living in, having been introduced from... Uh, other parts of the world have evolved without these animals oh my god so yeah in areas where they're native they are vastly important um but there are some ecosystems that have evolved without earthworms is was this one the opposite of this was the opposite of pride wasn't it this was humility yeah 
Yeah, I was thinking like because this is Wrath of Worm over there, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Depending on which side of the Atlantic, exactly. You're on. Worms are a dark horse, man. Yeah, right. But I'm going to stick with them as our entry for humility because okay. where they are meant to be, they are propping up yeah. all existence. Yes, and not asking for much in return. On a similar note, if we're fa- if I know we're focused on animals, but um, fungi, yeah. Also, you know, we'd be fucked without them. Yep, they're literally living inside our bodies. Completely. As well as they are in forests. Yep. Right. Um, but yeah, shout out to the the small dudes making the world go round. Yep. Um, okay, what have we got left? Uh, we have chastity as the opposite of lust. So I'm going to say animals that don't need to mate. That don't, just don't. That do, so, like, the... Parthenogenic things. Parthenogenic things. Right. Yeah, so things like lizards that can just have a virgin birth. Yes. I was going to say those termite queens Ooh. that have, like, one partner. Yeah. I mean, admittedly, I think he then dies. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, the proper, like... Like, they look like the queen from Alien. You know, it's yeah. like the tiny body and the huge just pumping out babies and babies and babies and babies and babies. I don't yeah. know if that's particularly chaste. Well, Chase. so I've just had a look here. And chastity, also known as purity, is a virtue related to temperance. Someone who is chaste refrains either from sexual activity considered immoral or any sexual activity according to their state in life. Basically, it's if you're a monk... You have no sex. If you're a normal person, you only have sex with someone you're married to. Okay. Uh, it's got to be the, the parthenogenic things, right? Yeah. Like virgin birds. That just don't I mean, need them. Like sharks can do it. Yeah. Lizards can do it. They just they just give birth to a clone. So that isn't any one animal we're putting forward there. That is a way of life <laughs> yeah. adopted by yeah. many. Okay. I think, I think morning geckos. Morning <laughs> geckos are a species that just just lay eggs without ever meat. I mean, Komo- a Komodo dragon did it in captivity. Yeah. But in the case of the Komodo dragon... That is something which 99.9% of the... Well, I'm pulling that number out. But, you know, I mean, the vast majority are yes. sexual. Yes. Like, there is male and female Komodo dragons going on. Yeah. And then they can, on occasion, pop out some yeah. babies, the a, female ones. A couple of years ago, or maybe it was last year, a Californian condor yeah. did it. Yeah. Which was, like, the first known thing in, like, a wild bird. But I think there are some lizards. I can't think of them. I've got, like, skinks in my... You know, but that are completely like 100% of the population is female and they're all clones they usually happen on like islands um and as a tactic it is you know the the downside is obviously there's no new genetic information happening so in the event of some kind of lizard covid they'd all be wiped out because there's no variation in the population however it means that if you're a little lizard and you get washed up on an island you can have a whole population of yourself to yourself. Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, I've just had a look at morning geckos. Yeah, morning geckos mainly reproduced by parthenogenesis. They're a tiny little gecko that's maybe, I don't know, about 10 centimetres long or something like that. And they just, you get one of those in a tank and it just lays eggs and eggs and eggs. Cracking. Yeah. Right, then, and last, I think we're on the last one. So, humility, we've done earthworm and fungi. Kindness, we've done long-tailed tip. Patience, we've done the cicadas. Temperance, we've done the rain frogs. Temperance, we've done rain frog. Chastity, we've done like the parthenogenic geckos. Yep. Diligence. Bumblebee. Bumblebee. Charity is our last one. So the opposite of greed or general. So charity or generosity. I mean, okay. Plants. Just out there. 
Just out there doing their thing. Making oxygen for us to breathe. Yeah. Upholding all of the, well, whatever deep sea vents, but you know, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> upholding all life with being yeah. the producers. They're literally the primary producer in every food chain. Come at me, people who are going to mention weird bacteria in caves in places I'm never going to go. But you know, like, but yeah, like turning solar light into something that we can consume. Yeah. Like as not just humans, but as an entire planet. I mean, and they've they've no business doing that. Like, <laughs> it is charitable, right? They could not do that. They could just take the carbon dioxide and keep the oxygen. Yeah, they could. They could just photosynthesize that way. But I, don't, I don't know whether that's how it works. That'd be like saying to us, you just keep the carbon dioxide and <laughs> not expel it. <laughs> Listen, this isn't a chemistry podcast, okay? <laughs> um, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna plants. shout out plants as yeah. charitable. The, the entire kingdom, the the, the whole <laughs> lot of them, or except for like I, I wanted to be like except for brambles, but I'm like they have really tasty berries. Yeah, I was gonna say except for nettles, but butterflies, butterflies love them. Do love them. Uh, so any I can't think of any uh, bullshit plants. Oh, rhododendrons. Oh, rhododendron. <laughs> Fuck rhododendron. They're invasive here. Yeah, yeah. if you're listening in a place where you have the beautiful native rhododendron forest, then good for you. For all our <laughs> Nepalese followers. Yeah. <laughs> but, but here they're highly invasive and choke out all the native sort of ground flora. So all plants, it, with the exception of rhododendron. <laughs> I'm popping up to let you know that this week's episode has been sponsored. We've been sponsored by Trees for Cities. Trees for Cities is the UK's only charity working at a national and international level to improve the lives of people by planting trees in cities. This summer, those of us living in the UK, but I also imagine pretty much anywhere in the world you could be listening to, was incredibly, incredibly dry. And trees do a great job of helping to cool down cities. Not only have Trees for Cities sponsored us, but... I'm also letting you know that from the 29th of November to the 6th of December, Teresa Cities will be taking part in the Big Give campaign. The Big Give is a charity giving campaign in the run-up to Christmas, and what it means is that any donation you make to Trees for Cities as part of this campaign will be doubled. You give them £10, they get £20. You give them £20, they get £40. You give them £10,000, they get £20,000. And if you have £10,000 also maybe buy us a coffee but we are very thankful to Teresa Cities for sponsoring us giving us a little bit of a boost do go and give them a donation in the run-up to Christmas like I said with the big give campaign it will get doubled and it will help get more trees in urban places not just in the UK but all around the world those trees will help with providing shade help with urban flooding urban heat island effect wildlife habitats the list of what trees do goes on and on and on and on so Trees are absolutely fantastic. Most of us live in cities. Let's get some more trees planted in cities. www.treesforcities.org forward slash big hyphen give. The campaign runs from the 29th of November to the 6th of December and any donation will be doubled. Thank you. Bye. This was sent to me as a game. And 
I thought we could just do it. We haven't recorded in a while. It's our first time seeing each other for a good bit. So just to, you know, get those juices flowing. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm at some sort of work team building Yeah. Thing. Woosa. <laughs> it's like, a, in, have you ever seen the thick of it? Yes. Yeah, the yeah. bit where they sit in a circle. And it's like, there's no wrong answers here. Anything anyone says, you just respond yes and ho. <laughs> yeah. It's not quite that. And I don't even know if, if this came to me from my cousin, if they thought of it themselves or if they found it but basically i will say an animal yeah and then the last letter of that animal you have to say an animal starting with that letter okay and then we go back and forth until one of us can't think of anything we'll see what we get oh, to oh okay how right off the bat i want to qualify how specific can we be because what i'm saying and this is me this is me being quite honest yeah is i can be like lesser antillian hummingbird yep is that okay yeah, we, we, we can be that. like rather than just hummingbird i i'm gonna i can pull out some niche bird names yep okay no latin yes fair let's put that that's rule out fair there. yeah <laughs> but other than that go as jazzy as you want okay okay Ooh, yeah right bonobo orangutan narwhal lesser antillian hummingbird <laughs> <laughs> Dingo. Oryx. Oh! X-ray fish. X-ray fish. Ha. Uh, hippo. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> or a, a hippopotamus. Oh, no, because it's got to be another one with O. Hang on. Okay. It's, yeah, it's technically not its full name, though, so. Orangutan, you said. Oryx, you said. Oh, only one dodo <laughs> left. <laughs> okay, point to Jack. Point, point. This, it's like tennis, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so do I start? You start. To serve. To serve. Badham's to serve. Uh, blackbird. Dodo. Oh, are we allowed to say O's from the previous round, or do we have to? Is uh, it? Okay, fine. Yeah. Um, or I feel like I should think of a right. When we were thinking about O's, something Ordovician. Is that a thing? That's a period of time, isn't it? Is it? I don't it's know, like okay. the Devonian and then the Ordovician. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is it like a Selenodon? Like, <laughs> what, what is it? A layer of earth. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, well, let's get... No, I want to think of a new one. Uh, octopus. Oh. How did we not do octopus? Jesus. Right, salamander. Rhinoceros. Shrike. Elephant. Tiger. Roadrunner. Oh, rhinoceros iguana. <laughs> oh, okay, that's fair. Aardvark. Kangaroo. <laughs> oh, again. Um, Oxpecker. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Robin. Mm, <laughs> Nazgul came into my head. <laughs> uh, uh, Noctual bat. Oh, no, that's a language. Uh, <laughs> We've had a, t a period in time and a language. What were you going to say? Telugu. <laughs> um, they all sound like they could be animals. Tapir. Tapir. Mm. A rabbit. Yep. A toke gecko. Ooh. Oh, again. I had oxpecker. Now I'm going to have ox. Lovely. And leave you with a, an axe. Oh, <laughs> God. Z <laughs> I, I know, there'll be some out there but I can't think of any uh, no, I can't, I, 
Two to Madam. <laughs> I can't even think of any birds. <laughs> I had Xenomorph, but that's the <laughs> thing in alien movies. Yeah. There'll be, I mean, there'll be loads of Latin names, although I can't think of any off the top of my head, but there definitely is. No, we're really rusty. Yeah. Yeah. I we don't know our Latin. When I was throwing this out there, I really thought it'd uh, show <laughs> our... go deep. <laughs> flex our stuff, and we're sat here like, eh, rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> People listen to this. People like playing at home, yeah. being like, what? Yeah. On a, why am I wasting time <clears throat> listening to these two? Exactly. Okay. Again? Last, we, one, last one. I mean, it's best of three, but you're, you're two up already. Okay. I'm going to serve with chimpanzee. Elephant shrew. Ooh, walrus. Oh, the stickleback. Stickleback. Okay. Uh, kingfisher. Lovely. Rat. Tegu. Is a tegu a thing? Oh, is that the lizard? That's what I was thinking of. No. The, oh, wait, a daegu's a thing. Is it a tegu is also, yeah, Argentinian tegu. I think That's the big thing. lizard, which is what I was thinking of with orangutan. I'm going I'm to quickly... With orangutan? With telugu. <laughs> I'm going to just make sure that is a thing. Tegu is a toy company. Ah, tegu is a common name of a number of species of lizard. Yeah, yeah. tegu. Right. Uh, uh. <laughs> so this is a hard one this is a hard one and this is the point in a sense of why I wanted us to get here right because right I forfeit okay because I've essentially cheated with this letter and you'll find out why oh so my cousin I don't know if she invented this game or whatever sent it to me and she said turns out you is really hard because <laughs> ah. whoever she was playing with she kept getting stuck now I can't even think of that many. Like you said, Tegu, yeah. which we had to check. And I mean, God bless her, but I can't imagine <laughs> what animal she had that ended in a U. But anyway, that's very separate because I can't think of that. So she um, got stuck on you. So sent me a screenshot of animals beginning with you. Right. Okay. <laughs> to show you how fucking niche you <laughs> becomes. Ugandan shrew. Right, okay, yeah. Okay. Is maybe the most basic one, and then Ural field mouse. I mean, the Ural's there. Uh, area. There's, a, there's a Ural owl as well. Yep, okay. Then we go into Underwoods bonneted bat, Underwoods long-tongued bat, Underwoods pocket gopher, uh. Underwoods water mouse. <laughs> Hang on, Underwoods pocket gopher? Yeah. As they're like Underwoods <laughs> just walking around with them in his pocket. Yeah. Underwood? Yeah. Do you have another pocket gopher? Exactly. So if you're familiar with the work of Underwood, yeah. <laughs> you becomes very easy. Underwoods is a lot of them. Then mm. you've got unicolored arboreal rice rat, unicolored old field mouse, unicolored tree mat. <laughs> Wait, unicolored is such a fancy way of just saying plain. Yeah, or, or black. black. Yeah. Or white yeah. or whatever. Yeah. You've also then got the unstriped ground squirrel. <laughs> 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 the unstriped tube-nosed bat. <laughs> well, naming animals <laughs> because of things they don't have. <laughs> For instance, the top hatless <laughs> yeah. shrew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the unemployed donkey. <laughs> yeah, oh. or you know, stuff we haven't discovered yet. The unknown gecko. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the two which I think are my favourite from this 
is the unexpected cotton rat. <laughs> oh, brilliant. So, the unexpected cotton rat. <laughs> Nobody expects yeah. the cotton rat. Also, they were out there research. you know, it was a whaling expedition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was Shackleton. Exactly. Just out on the ice. My word. <laughs> there seems to be a cotton rat. Hark at this, sir. <laughs> and, and, actually, there's three I like. So we've got unexpected cotton rat. Then you've got the ultimate shrew. <laughs> no! Oh, I've got so many things I want to ask about the ultimate shrew. I mean, let's go. <laughs> what, like, as in, like, is it is it massive? Is it just like what's what defines it as the ultimate shrew? All right, one shrew to rule them all. <laughs> Right. <laughs> the Wikipedia page on the ultimate shrew is one, two, three, four sentences long. <laughs> so the ultimate shoe, shrew, the ultimate shoe. <laughs> it's like, yeah, carry the shoe to Mordor. Yeah. The ultimate shrew is a species of mammal in the family Sauricidae. Mm. It is endemic to Kenya. Its natural habitat is subtropical or tropical moist montane forests. It is threatened by habitat loss. And that's it. That's all we know about the ultimate shrew. What? Also, it can't be that ultimate if it's threatened by... I mean, <laughs> yeah. I know, you know. <laughs> it should be threatening us <laughs> <laughs> with <laughs> habitat loss. <laughs> the ultimate shrew. Oh, how many geese on tour to find an ultimate shrew? The next website, which talks about the ultimate shrew, opens with the line, To my everlasting sadness, I couldn't find any images of the ultimate shrew. But to lay eyes on it would probably shatter the screen and blow your mind to smithereens. <laughs> like, right, sometimes I think, you know that we've been recording this for a few series now, yeah. and I'm like, we're going to run out of stuff to talk about. And then something like the ultimate shrew pops up. Yeah. So th are there no pictures of the ultimate shrew? No camera could possibly contain. <laughs> there aren't enough pixels. I know. Yeah. On the planet, your eyes can't even see it. It's like you know. Um. Uh. Did you Did you hear that? The, did you hear as if it's recent gossip? But apparently, when um, or I think when Westerners first went to North America, uh -huh. maybe not when they first went, but when they had cameras. I've heard, maybe it's urban legend, there was a superstition around kind of the Native Americans, the first peoples that, you know, to have your picture taken would take your soul. Yeah, yeah, I've heard you heard, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's sort of the opposite. Like, no <laughs> photography company is prepared to make a camera that can be pointed at the ultimate shrew because to capture it on film would shatter. <laughs> maybe anyone that takes a picture of it turns to stone. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Becomes atomized on the spot by the power of the ultimate shrew. So there's no... On the Wikipedia page, there was no picture, there was no drawing. The Wikipedia page was four sentences yeah, long, but not no pic picture. The only image, it wasn't even a picture of Kenya, it was just a map of all of Africa. <laughs> it's in here somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Go forth and find. The next website to talk about it uh -huh. is coffeeandcreatures.co.uk. Okay. Who's actually seemingly done a bit of research here, so... Nice. It is currently listed as data deficient by the RUCN Red List. Yeah, so. Apparently the only thing it's deficient in being the ultimate yeah, exactly. We know very little about it other than its red and mottled grey coat and its slightly overlapping top teeth. Okay, yeah. So, 
Shrew. 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 Yeah. <laughs> you can confirm it is Shrew. It was first named in 1915 by Guy Dolman based on a special... <laughs> Mr. Ultimate. Yeah. <laughs> well, wait till you hear the guy who actually... So he got sent the specimen um, from... Arthur Blaney Percival Esquire. Oh, great. Okay, I mean, that is the ultimate in whatever century that was named in. <laughs> ultimate colonial name in yeah. Africa, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Percival was busy on his game hunting schedule, but managed to collect a few shrews. <laughs> just, just by catch. Other members of the genus, however, have been found mummified in Egypt presumably as messengers or offerings to the ancient gods. Now, oh. were they offerings to the ancient gods or did the Egyptians truly understand the power <laughs> of the ultimate shrew and they realised that... They, it just transcends the ancestral plane. Yeah, because we think that they worshipped cats, they worshipped, you know, everything else, but actually all of Egyptian mythology is built on the great shrew. <laughs> there genuinely doesn't seem to be a single picture. There's nothing we know of the ultimate shrew. Honestly, there, there's there's no picture of the ultimate shrew. Someone must, you know, like the Natural History Museum must have one in their collection, surely. But genuinely, <laughs> g g Google this at home, listener. We're not lying. <laughs> there is no picture of the ultimate shrew. Yeah, the only, like, image entry is what looks like maybe an eight-year-old's drawing. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it doesn't exist on this on this plane of existence <laughs> it crosses over from yeah. wherever you know wherever Ra and Anubis live and it walks across the it inhabits the wall it's just you know chilling in Valhalla one minute yeah. and then snaps its fingers and it's in the cats that the Egyptians were mummifying were actually asking to be mummified from <laughs> pure terror of the ultimate shrew it was their only escape take me away from this world exactly have we got more on the ultimate shrew uh, no, we don't have more in the ultimate shrew. The, the, the thing I'm thinking is that you said you've got three favourite animals and we've only done two. Yeah, exactly. So the last one, going back almost to the unstriped ground squirrel, the last one is the Unalaska collared <laughs> lemming. <laughs> the, uh, to which... That's very Unalaska. I would argue that all life on Earth can be classed in either Alaska <laughs> or Unalaska categories. <laughs> Where does it live? Just like Texas. <laughs> uh, well, let's have a deep dive on the Unalaska collared lemming. Oh, uh, let's see if we uh, if there's any more on this. Oh, okay. One, two, three sentences. Ooh. on the Unalaska collared so, lemming. Am I right in thinking on the? standardized wikipedia knowledge test we know more about the ultimate shrew than we do the unalaska collared lemming <laughs> potentially yeah let's find out the unalaska collared lemming is a species of rodent in the family Cri cricketidae oh this species is found on two islands umnak and unalaska oh fair they in the archipelago in the aleutian archipelago of alaska its natural uh, habitat is tundra. So what the hell is Unalaska Island in Alaska doing? <laughs> Volcanic Island, Fox Island's Maybe group. they dragged it there. The island is that big. There's paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs on Unalaska Island. Oh, wow. Okay, well, we learned something, we learned something new. A lot of history of Unalaska involves native people being enslaved. So that mm. is sad. <laughs> and 
not our bag. <laughs> <laughs> no, Unalaska as an island, not for us. Well, I've learnt of its existence. Yeah. Which is saying. And now we all know that if anyone ever approaches you and says, hey, do you want to play the uh, alphabet animal game? Anytime you hit you, just truck. Yeah. <laughs> Throw whatever word you want in front of it. <laughs> and claim <laughs> and claim it exists because by the time they've taken to google it you could have done the two sentence wikipedia entry <laughs> <laughs> that exists for the other ones brilliant and there you have it listener the season finale of this series of how many geese as a wise man once said don't cry because it's over smile because it happened Thank you for continuing to spread the word. The gospel of geese grows bigger with every season. Don't worry, we'll be back once we've had a rummage for some of nature's more bizarre stories. And thank you for being there with your suggestions and questions. They really do help make this show. We can't wait to see you next time.